are listening to the Jersey Guys Podcast, the show that talks about hard rock, heavy metal, AOR, and West Coast music. In-depth conversation and special guests are always on tap, so settle in and turn it up. Now, here are your hosts, Tom and Mark. Hey everybody, welcome to the Jersey Guys Podcast. This is Mark Ballow and I'm here with my co-host Tom Coyne. And today we've got a returning special guest, uh, TJ Coyne, Tom's son. Uh, welcome back again, TJ. Thank you. Thank you for having me back, guys. Yeah, no, this is a good one. Well, this episode, what we thought we'd do something totally different that we've never done before. And this was all Tom's idea. But uh, he said, uh, instead of doing, you know, a discography discussion or having a guest call in or something like that, he said, let's, uh, let's do a top 25 of all time. And we'll each pick our 25 albums, top albums, and uh, have a kind of a roundtable discussion on that. So, uh, yeah. So what was your idea, Tom, to, uh, to kind of do this? How'd you come up with this idea? Uh, I was trying to come brainstorm some new ideas. And this, uh, I was actually challenging myself having a collection as vast as I've had for like 50 years of collecting. What would be your top 25? Would you be able to even come up with a top 25? Right. And uh, I did put a lot of time and effort into it, to it, almost to the point of perusing for days through everything I have just so I didn't miss anything. And along the way, there were things I had on, things I took off, because I wanted the list to really be as perfect and really accenting my whole you know, lifelong career of being a, an absolute music nut. So... I floated it past you. I floated it past TJ, and uh, everybody seemed to like it. So it seemed like an interesting thing to do. Yeah, no, I I, I liked it. I, I, for me, it was kind of like pretty easy to come up with the twenty five. Mm. But I I mean, as I got the twenty five, and then I took maybe five more, and I kind of like you said, I was putting stuff in and out right. as I thought about it a little more. But it was pretty easy. Like I right off the top of my head, I was like thinking of the stuff that maybe I've listened to the most. Over the years, and I just kind of was e- easy for me to come up with. I, I kind of got caught up between stuff I listened to the most and stuff that I still viewed as ultra iconic, okay. but maybe didn't listen to as much as I did okay. 30 or 40 years ago. So I kind of got caught up between that. So I was like, the, that was my battle. Do I put, you know, the things that are really iconic, but I don't listen to them that much anymore, or the things that maybe aren't that iconic, but I still put on with regularity? So I think I put together a list that encompassed both Both. of those things. Yeah. Yeah. What's funny is that when we first came up with the idea, I think we said we wanted to do a top 10. Top 10. And then it turned to 15. And then it turned to 20. (laughs) Right. And it was 25. 25. And now we have honorable mentions. 25 went on. So it's like, you know, it it was. It's it's hard. I mean, when you think about, especially like Tom, you're saying you have how many tens of thousands of CDs and you're trying to pick 25. Yeah. Nearly impossible to do. Yeah. Um, The hardest part for me was, you know, finding the band was easiest, but finding the album Mm. that the band put out, I thought was probably the hardest. And then ranking them, I thought was probably the hardest thing to do, especially the top 10, you know, like. 11 to 25, you could kind of just wing it. But the top 10, it's like... Yeah, you know, your top what, 10 is your top 10. What is the most right. like 
impactful right to mm. me. And I, and I and I really you know? paid a lot of attention to the top 10 because I said you can't get the top 10 wrong you have to like <laughs> you know like you can't like you have to say, oh, I forgot this or <laughs> you know how did I forget that right you, you really really have to know that that's your top 10 if you're gonna go on the air yeah and mm-hmm. and tell people that this is your top 10 so well, I, think, I think bad on my part is I, I i didn't realize until we i got here earlier tonight and before we started recording that we were actually doing that i was i was kind of just putting 25 down in no particular order but you know maybe when we do our list i'll, I'll yeah I'll i mean you could probably pick pick your top 10 out of that just by yeah. look i know i mean i the top 10 really wasn't that hard for me it was just all the superfluous stuff that after you have 25 and you say, oh, what about that? Right. What about that? Mm. What about that? That's an honorable mention there. That's <laughs> why I threw in a... We'll yeah, mark it down as honorable mention. Honorable mention. Yep. Honestly, number one was probably the easiest. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's me like, too. You know, right. It's, right. you know, that's my favorite album me too. from whatever me too. band and that's going to stay there for the rest of my life. But everything else after that was a little tough. Mm. I would say from two to 10 was not easy. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, do you want you want me to start you with start, uh, with yeah. my list here, and then we'll go from there? Um, basically, what I did is, like I said, I, I didn't actually do uh, a top ten, top twenty five, one through. I just kind of jotted twenty five albums down with a few honorable mentions, and I figure I'll throw them out there, and I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on each. Right. And uh, you know, so we'll start with that. So first of the top twenty five, I'm going to go with Bon Jovi. Uh, These days, it's their 1995 album, and I know a lot of people. You know, you think about Bon Jovi's classic stuff the slippery one wets the new jerseys but just something about this 95 album i thought it was the band's best songs um most most mature songs you know some really great songs on this album um probably their last great album yes yeah probably so yeah that that i include that's always been my favorite album it's my favorite tour when i saw them on that tour they were you know just playing long three-hour shows and featuring a lot of songs from that album and it was a great album um, number two for me uh, is Marillion, uh, Z- Season's End, mm. uh, from 1988. Uh, that's the debut album with Steve Hogarth on vocals after Fish left. Uh, and I just, that album, I can't tell you how many times that's I've listened one. to that. And it's an album I'll put on and I'll just listen to for like days, yeah. nothing else but that. I guess we should just put in there where I'll just mention that none of us know each other's lists really. So this is right. the first time I'm. Yeah, we've we've thrown mm-hmm. a couple yeah. here and there. <laughs> right. We so asked yeah, before yeah, we I'm started. I'm kind of digesting this. That that's a that's a hell of a pick. That's a real good pick. <laughs> but thank you. And then for me, number three uh, is Taiketo, uh, "Don't Come Easy" from 1991. That was the band's debut album. And when I was trying to think of what I was going to say about this album, I was like, to me, the, the best thing I can say is this album is like a a comfy old pair of shoes to me. Right. <laughs> just something about the songs are like, they're just everything about them. I know it every really lyric. encompasses that era of music, yes. like that later eighties, you know, that New York, New Jersey sound. Yes, totally, and that's yeah. just that's just exactly where I came yeah, from. Terrific, Jersey, my whole life. So yeah, that's number three. Uh, number four, I have Toto, uh, Turn Back from nineteen eighty one. This is the band's third album. Uh, to me, a very Beatlesy album, a lot of Beatlesy elements, a lot of more poppy than maybe the first two albums. I just love the songs on it, though. I mean, yeah, think of some of the songs on that album. Kimball sounds awesome yes. on that album. Yes, I just that that's so that's got to be my favorite Toto album and one of my top twenty five, obviously. Mm. Um, number five, I've got Bad English, the debut from nineteen eighty nine. Um, this is just an album I will never get tired of listening to. 
I love every song. I will listen to this over and over again. Mm. Never get tired of listening to it. I know Tom is uh, more of a fan of the, the of second, the second one. Yeah, I thought that there were a couple of songs on the first one that I, I thought it was a little overly long. Okay, as good as it was. Yeah, I, yeah, that's. But they, I, I have to have of the two bad English. I have to go with the debut. Um, for me, number six uh, is Badlands. Their debut. From 1989. Phil DiBenedetto will be very happy. He'll, he'll be proud of me, yes, for sure. We, we were trying to get him on uh, on a call tonight, but it just didn't work out. But he would have been He's cool. sleeping. He was at a sleeping. concert last ah, night. He okay. about a month to recover. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but no, I mean, Badlands, what can you say about that album? I mean, it's, just a, it's, a, it's an album that came out in like the hair era, but I mean, it's nothing like that it's a classic hard rock album. yeah no it was like a yeah. zeppelin on steroids yeah i mean much. you got ray gillen i mean yeah. one of the best voices it's a big you know big zeppelin influenced band. totally yeah um for me number seven and this is one that i might get a little flack on from people but it's the 1990 debut trickster album Oh, I, I'm a big fan of that. I know you are. I know you are. TJ's probably like, who? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Trickster for me, obviously, being a Jersey band and the age I'm at, and I grew up seeing this band in the club mm-hmm. before they kind of hit it big. And so they were like the the, the guys that were at my age, and they made yeah, it big. a terrific album. Got the, the, you know, the major label recording contract and had some success there, you know, yeah, in the beginning. Absolutely. So that, that's just an album. And I actually think the second album here... It's probably a better produced album. Maybe oh yeah, better production songs. wise. I, I don't think it's a better album, but production wise, yeah. yes. I know there's you like that album a lot. I never was that wild about it. Yeah, there's just something about the songs on the first album though. I just thought, always Great. love. So Great. Um, number eight for me is uh, Soraya, the debut album from you 1989. That, yeah. I know Tom's not a big female vocal fan, right? To an extent, but, but I, I know the album again. It's, a it's a Jersey band, yeah. and I to me just something a band that meant a lot to me. So I had to include that in here. Um, number nine, an album that, and I mentioned this to you a little while back when we were talking about the idea of this episode, uh, Jolyn Turner, Rescue You from 1985. It's an iconic AOR. Iconic. I mean, if you had to tell somebody what is AOR music sound like, I would just play that. Jolyn Turner's first solo album. Playing that album from 1985, Rescue You. That's all you need to know and hear. Uh, number 10, moving on, uh, I'm going with Journey, Escape from 1981. Uh, you know, we talked about that. I mean, to me, just a classic album. I mean, great songs. Don't stop believing. That's all you got to say is on this album, right? (laughs) So, I mean, that's all you need to say on that one. Uh, Number 11, I'm going to go with Dokken, Back for the Attack from 1987. Just something about that album. It has everything for me. It's got heavy songs. It's got stuff like Burning Like a Flame, which is more, you know, poppy commercial. It's got instrumental, Mr. Scary. My favorite Dokken song probably ever is Heaven Sent. So it's like it just got everything. Yeah, no, it's they they were a step ahead of everybody at that point. Yeah, I, I just can't. Nothing wrong with that album. I will listen to that. Another album I, I will never get tired of listening to. Uh, number twelve. Moving on, I'm gonna go with Y and T, uh, Mean Streak, hmm. 1983. Uh, something just most albums by Y and T are just full of great songs and they're not a bad one to be found for the most part but something to me it's this is their strongest album that's my favorite album by them too yeah 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 just something about that album yep. I, I i will always love and i just never get tired of listening to again uh number 13 and we talked about this uh it's a live album and i'm gonna go with eagles right. uh, hell we freezes did, we, over that's one that i knew you had on your list, uh yeah. 1994 just the eagles uh, the, my probably favorite song of all time is hotel california so I had to, I originally was going to go with the Hotel California studio album, but 
when we talked about this and said, Hey, I got a couple live right. albums in my list. And I said, okay, I'm going to, you know, it's game now. So I'm going to mm. put in a live album. And, and I chose that one. Just something about that. It's the, the songs, the way they were done, the comeback. And then there's a four, what, four studio tracks on there's, there. New, yeah, there's no LP. New studio on, tracks yeah. on that album. So you get a little bit of everything on that album. Uh, number 14 is Night Ranger, Big Life from 1987. Hmm. Something that most Night Ranger fans probably would not rate. But to me, I've always thought that was their strongest album. You and Wolfa. Hey, there you go. <laughs> but just something about it. I mean, the songs maybe aren't, they may be a little more cliche. Yeah, than, I was never a huge fan of that album. I think they're just, yeah, every I, song I, I know is there are people that out. do like it a lot, though. Yeah, I, yeah. I've always, always been my favorite album. And so, yeah, Night Ranger, Big Life. Uh, number 15, I'm going to go with Van Halen's debut from 1978. I mean, a quality choice, an all-time classic. Yeah, you know, you can't go wrong with yeah, that. That's a that's a really mm-hmm. good choice. Yeah, so that there's you don't really can't need to say anything about that. You know, just something about that album though. When you listen to it, it kind of brings you back. And I I didn't wasn't there, never lived it, but I, it brings me back to like what it was like in the '70s Southern California scene, and what that that music is just something iconic about. Yeah, that, I saw obviously. them live. Yeah, um, they opened for Black Sabbath. Yeah, so that's just, yeah, I can only imagine. But uh, moving on, number 16, I've got Tesla, Mechanical Resonance from 1986. Uh, just a no-frills, hard rock band. They're kind of lumped in with the hair era, but they're not that yeah, to me. Yeah, kind Never of were. also like uh, Aerosmith on steroids. Yes, yeah, totally. And I, I got to see them uh, on their first tour with opening for David Lee Roth. So it was like it was that was eighty six that album eighty six that came yeah. out eighty seven I early eighty seven I saw yeah. him with that that album well. really made a big impact on music at the time I yes. remember it was a real big deal and when you think about it I mean considering they were kind of lumped in with that hair metal era coming out in eighty six it was right. kind of a yeah kind of an early one for, yeah it was you know, yeah that that, that album really had a huge impact yeah no um, moving on I'm gonna go to number seventeen and it's gonna be this one might surprise some people but Mister Reality. The debut album, the only one they put out, 1992. Uh, it's a New Jersey band, acoustic-based, but they were a bunch of rockers prior to forming Mr. Reality. Uh, but just something about that album, the songs on it, I will, I yeah, will no, it's, listen it's, to that forever and never get tired of it. It is it is a good album for what it is. Yeah, and it's, it's unique because there's probably nothing else on my list like that, you know, an acoustic-based, sort of a little bit Eagles-y influenced at times. Yes. But, you know great harmonies and so yeah that that's an album that i will never get tired of uh number 18 i'm going to go with profit cycle of the moon from 1988 i mean i don't think we need to you know you tom and i know you know we yeah, i mean if my list went a little deeper than 25 or 30 that's something that probably would have been in there just yeah, again just, like an iconic album of that time oh to me it's a the perfect combo yeah. of like keyboards heavy guitar yep. an awesome singer yeah, it really was that's yeah. a tremendous album so that um 19 i'm gonna go with uh getting towards the end here but 19 is gonna be white lion pride uh nineteen. Mm, that wouldn't be my choice with them but well I, i'll tell you why to me i at that time i got to see the band on that mtv um concert they did right that was from, from the, the ritz, ritz. Yeah. yeah i got to see him there obviously a guy like vito brada right had never got enough credit you know kind of like the eddie van halen sound oh, i like them better player than great player and probably he was tastier than Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, well, probably my favorite 
guitar solo of all time is in Wait. Yeah, that's a great solo. That's like, melodic yeah. as hell. It's that's just, what he I, was. That's what he was so. Good. I love that solo. So I had to include that. Um, number twenty. We're getting down towards the end here. Uh, for me, Queensrÿche, Operation Mindcrime. Hmm. 1988. That's, you know, like that. that's that. That was one that I. I'll just digress for a second. Yeah. I really wanted to squeeze in somewhere on my list, and 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 I didn't. Just I because, to. yeah, it was just such an impact. Yeah, album no, for I me. I absolutely agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean, it's just classic concept yeah. album. Yeah, it was put the band uh, on the made map. It probably the best record of the second half of the 80s. Yeah, you know, like yeah. from 85 to 90. Right, right. It might have been the best album. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I had to include that. Now, and that was a concept album, obviously. So when I thought of Queen Jike, I had to think, of, I immediately thought of my number 21, which is Sabotage, the Streets album. So another kind of concept-y yeah, rock Yeah, again, that, that wouldn't definitely not be my choice for no. them. But. Okay. You're, you're, you're more of the earlier stuff, I yeah, would say, right? I, yeah, I, for me, it would have been um, hmm, probably, oh, geez, Fight for the Rock. Really? Mountain King probably. Okay. Yeah. That's 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 yeah. up there. I just something about the, the concept album and it being that rock opera and that just the, the vary uh, variation of songs on there. You had the ballads, you had heavy stuff, you had a little bit yeah. of everything. So yeah, I it's a good that. album, it just wouldn't yeah, it wouldn't have been mine. But yeah. it's yeah, I would have probably been whole of the Mountain King probably okay. I think is the best. That's fair. Um moving on to number twenty two, I have White Snakes, nineteen eighty seven. I mean, to me, what can you say about this? John Sykes playing on this thing, just Songs are they they redid songs from their earlier that, era, see, that was but they, they pumped them up. Right, they did see, that, that was one of the reasons I never really was crazy for that album because I was very old school White Snake and and the United States they never really made it big in the United States so everybody thought those out al- those songs were, were like new. new songs yeah right 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 and there was a bunch of them that were redone oh yeah yeah it's, so like I always kind of I get it it was was Sykes the other stuff didn't have Sykes but. I was never that nuts for that album like everybody was. And I never yeah. liked the production on it either. I, I love the songs. I mean, they're just... Oh, you know, cr- And there's stuff that, we, right. you know, you talk about Here I Go Again or Still of the Night, right? right. Those are like the MTV songs. Oh, Still of the songs. Night was one of the mm. best songs but, of the whole decade. What, what about songs song? like Crying in the Rain? Crying in the Rain. But that's an old song too. Yeah, true. Right. Yeah, but they, they, put, made it like, right. they put it on steroids. Right. This album, oh, yeah, you know? no. It was with Sykes' yeah. leads. Yeah. It, with Children of the Night. Yeah. You know? I mean, great. You know, yeah. The songs, they weren't even the ones that were the big... MTV. Videos. No, it's a great album. I just, yeah. I, I guess, I just wasn't as warm and f- fuzzy with it as a lot of people. Were. Yeah. Um, now I, I'm going to move on to 23, and this one's going to probably shock the the Toms and the Phils that are listening out there. <laughs> uh, it's it's Uriah Heep, but it's the Sonic Origami album. That's a great album from 1998. Right. I huh. mean, not anywhere near the band's classic hmm. era, but but. Quality wise, it was great songs. Yes, yeah, it's just a much Bernie later Shaw sounds uh, awesome. Yeah, right. No, I that that's in their, their top five albums. Oh yeah, right, okay. For me, I, yeah. I almost felt a little guilty because I'm thinking if if we had Phil in on this conversation or even you, I'm thinking, oh, you got to go with the '70s and stuff for you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that album's better than a lot of their '70s albums. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, oh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, being my age, yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I didn't maybe, know what you old folks would think about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, not better than. D- Demons and Wizards or Magician's Birthday or, you know, maybe Look at Yourself. But yeah. all that other too. stuff, like when, they, you know, they changed, when, when Byron was gone, I would say that album is way better than that stuff. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I remember, in fact, I remember the day that I heard this album. I was at Zigzag Records in Staten mm-hmm. Island. 
Um, shout out to Phil. And we played this album in the store. And it was Phil and I guess Vinny and another guy who worked at the store and myself. And we listened to this thing from beginning to end. And I was just blown away. And I've loved it ever since. And it's an album I will keep going back to even now i just go back to it regularly uh, ever you know every once in a it's while it's the best album that bernie ever did yeah. when he was singing for them i think okay yeah. so now i don't feel so bad yeah though. no not at all <laughs> no I, I have a lot of love for that album. Okay. it's got great production too. okay yeah oh it does <laughs> yeah. yes definitely um i'm getting close to the end here number 24 this one might shock some people uh listening but i'm gonna go with john norham uh his debut solo album total control mm. from 1987 I can't tell you how many times when I got that album on a cassette <laughs> that I listened to that thing. I love that album. And too. I mean, you got what Goran Edmonds. Goran Edmonds sang some of the songs, and John Norm singing sang songs. But I mean, just and, and the, the other thing is, most pe- fans will always pick the follow-up album with Glenn Hughes singing, right? It, which is a great which album. Is a great too. album too. Yeah. But I always preferred the the debut also. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I was thinking of that too. I, I love that Glenn Hughes album. Uh, but yeah, I have to go with the, the debut Total Control. And winding up my top 25, uh, I have White Sister, the debut from 1984. Just again, if you, we talked about, or I talked about Prophet a little bit ago. Mm. Another band, Prophet was a Jersey band, East Coast. White Sister was a West Coast band. Very similar in sound to me. Very keyboardy, pompy. Yeah. Um, the, the, the lead song, Don't Say That You're Mine on that. It's a hell of an That's a great track. song. Yeah, it had a cr- couple of great songs on it. It had some songs I thought that were just okay. Yeah, I just and, I, that um, album I just love. I, and I, and I, 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 for me personally, what ruined it for that album, I never liked the production on it at all. It and, does and have. We had Dennis on production. as a guest. He yes. accented that too. Yes, it does have weak yeah, production. It, that, it's that very production thin and it's, was yeah. was lacking. Yes, that that I agree. But just song wise, I, I love that album. Um, now we we're gonna go with a handful some, of uh, handful of honorable honorable mentions. mentions if you so chose. Yeah, sure. Um, this is one I'm gonna put in as an honorable mention. Again, there's no order of these, but I, I did this. This is one that I added more recently, and something I only got into maybe within the last year or so. Uh, Ambrosia, Life Beyond L.A., 1978. Uh, it's just this album, this band. A lot of people know their their popular, you know love songs right. and the things but, but i mean this album it's 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 like proggy it's like that 70s pop kind of mixed in with it right well Great there were two songs. sides to that band there yeah. were sides that everybody knew from the radio and there was sides that they were all really good musicians and they yes. wrote yeah stuff that was sometimes more in the vein of the toto more progressive right. stuff yeah if anybody out there only knows like the three or four songs you hear on like you know Yacht Rock yeah. Station or whatever. And those songs are great. Too. They are, yeah, but, yeah. but tune in to, you know, mm. check out the Life Beyond the L.A. album. Uh, number two honorable mention for me is an album, and we talked about this a little bit ago, is Rush, but not one of the classic eras. It's Roll the Bones from 1991. And this was actually the album I probably got into the band. I think I saw them live for the first time on that tour. And for me, it's like you got the one-two punch on this album. The first two songs, you got Dreamline and bravado and that's probably to me two of the best it's rush songs that album. it was a strong you know, period for them i liked them through the 80s and early 90s a lot i mean you can bust on people oh you know the song roll the bones a little hokey it got a little rappy thing in the middle but yeah you know but I it was that it was what it was at the time you know mm-hmm. 1991 mm-hmm. um number uh three of my honorable mentions is uh bonfire and it's the fireworks album and i'll tell you with this album when i first got in i was introduced to the bonfire on this album and i remember hearing this song on wsou radio which was seton hall college radio yeah, station here in jersey them. 
and this, this the song "Sweet Obsession." Right, was a song I heard on the hmm. radio, and, and I really and I, I tracked. I was like, "Who is this, Dan?" I, I tracked down the cassette. Um, I just that's an album. I yeah, have fireworks. To take it, I would, for some reason I was thinking the the one right after that. Yeah, um, which is very good too. Yeah. Now this is a weird one for me in my honorable mentions. Uh, I almost considered putting this in my top twenty five, but it, I almost felt it was a little like, I don't know. <laughs> like it didn't not deserving of, but but I love the album. Uh, Red Dawn, Never Surrender, with David Rosenthal. David from, Rosenthal from, from Rainbow. yeah Rainbow. Now <laughs> with you know Billy Joel for many years. Yes. I think he's oh, still wow. with still, Billy Joel. still is with yeah. Billy Joel. Has he been? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's Billy Joel's keyboard. keyboard really, player. Like, yeah. for forever. Oh yeah, huh. yeah. But I mean, just that album and the, the singer Larry Board, right? Yeah. I mean, he sounded like a a horse Jolin Turner. Yeah, yeah. Right? He like did. a husky voice yeah. Jolin Turner. And that that album had very good production. For very a good small production. Budget. Great songs. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right, a small budget yeah. and an indie. Type yeah, no, that's thing. a very good record. There's but no I had to throw that it. in there in the honorable mentions at least. Um, another honorable mention. I'm gonna go with the band, and I asked you about this earlier before we started recording. Vane, uh, their debut album, 1989, No Respect. Uh, to me, just it's simply one of the, and I'm not a huge glam rock guy, but this is probably one of the best debut glam rock albums to me that came out in that period. Glam yeah. sleaze, sleaze glam, yeah. yeah. Like I, I just yeah, no, I, I, I think it probably is the best. I don't think that album gets enough credit from anybody ever, mm. you know. And, and but I think a lot of people, if you if they're into that stuff and you ask them, they probably say yes, that's the one of the best debut albums. So mm. that that goes on the list in my honorable mentions. Um, another honorable mention, and I've got just just two more. Um, but it's gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, Honeymoon Suite and the Racing After Midnight album uh, mm. from 1988. Yeah, I like the one before it better. Yeah. Well, this this album is price. probably yeah. I mean, this, this album's probably not anything that had huge songs like you think of the Honeymoon Suite. Just earlier. that one song that was in the it was the in the Lethal movie. Weapon yeah. uh, uh, song. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I just I think every song in this album. It was just great. It, it is know? a good. I actually, it's funny you said that because I listened to that album not that long ago, a couple really? of months ago. Yeah. Well, it's funny you look at the, the their image on that album, and they were definitely more embracing the whole the Bon Jovi. Oh sort no, of they looked like yeah, they, they didn't look they like a the, lot of Canadian bands. They didn't look like that, time, like yeah. they did on their earlier right. albums, you know. So, so this album, it, it kind of threw. They had that, the, the the bandanas and the yeah, uh, the leather jackets, the, the, and yeah, the, you know, the Bon Jovi look, right. the you know, jeans and right. his t-shirts. But yeah, so that's why I'm going to include that one. But I love that album. And my last honorable mention, I'm going to throw in this one. I actually had in my top 25 initially, and I took it out and. I, if we had Phil on here, um, I know he would probably give me a little flack, and, and even Tom here too, maybe even TJ. <laughs> but I'm gonna go with Rainbow, uh, but straight between the eyes. Uh, I'm uh, fine with that. 1982. Joel and Turner. It's great. Um, I love that album. I mean, it's not. Do you it's like not, that album too, right? You do you? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's not DOR, obviously. No, not, I mean they, you know, they were different bands anyway. Yeah. I don't really, you know, they, they, other than the fact of the same name and Richie Blackmore, obviously, right. they were they were two totally different bands. Is yeah. that Stone Cold on that? Stone yes. Cold oh, on there. Death yes. Alley Drive. Tearing out my heart. Oh, yeah, it's just great so songs. Death great Valley stuff. Drive. Yeah, it's a terrific yeah. album. Very good album. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, again, I don't feel so what a great cover. Yeah, one of my favorite. That's true too. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, I was, I feel, I felt a little shame, you know. I was, thinking, <laughs> no, no, I was like, no, no, if no, Phil no was shame, on the line. No. you know, Phil would beat you up because he had no, he, no use for the the Turner era. Right, of, that's what I kind of figured. But yeah, I mean, as you know, I love it. I, <laughs> yeah. I like it almost as much as 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 Dio. Yeah. Okay. So so that that's me. I I gave you seven of honorable mentions. I know we were trying to cut it to five, but it, again, it's twenty five albums, and you got to get so hard. It's tough. 
So, Stuff. so that's that's my list, and and we'll feature this up on the website. Like yeah, we we'll put do. them up, and people you know, can and, uh, but uh, I'm gonna hand it over to to Tom. Okay, and, well. uh, let's give us yours. Uh, number one, uh, Allman Brothers live at the Fillmore East. Ah, a live album, and this is your 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 number one album of all time, without a doubt. Wow, without a doubt. It's pretty confident with that one. Without a doubt, yeah. It's, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. In my opinion, the original Allman Brothers lineup was the greatest band ever assembled. And this caught wow. them, um, captured them, I should say, um, at the Fillmore East uh, at, at their height, obviously before the deaths of Barry Oakley and uh, Dwayne Allman. And it's oh, since a kid, it's always been my favorite album. I still listen to it uh, probably a dozen times a year. It was an easy number one. Hmm. Now I, I gotta ask you because I'm I'm not familiar with Almond Brothers band uh, as much as as I know you love them. But is are they the band? Are they a band like with so many iconic live albums that the songs in the live setting were better than the studio version? Times better. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, see, they, they, they were jammed, it, right? Right. It, it was that era of which was so different from the '80s. Where you took a song, a three or four, five minute song, mm -hmm. and turned it into a twenty minute song. Gotcha. That's what I figured. But yeah. changed the whole concept of it, and that's was something that was embraced. When you got into the eighties, it was totally different. Bands tried to do the songs as close, right, as and, the studio, and you, and, and you were lauded for doing that. Oh wow, it sounds just like the album. Right. Seventies was the opposite, especially okay. with the bands that had good players in them. Yeah. You know? You, you didn't want that. You wanted that song to take on a whole different life. So, yes, okay. the, the, there were a lot of songs that were on their first two studio albums that were on that album. A, a lot of songs that weren't, too. Mm -hmm. And this, this albums, the songs that were on the studio albums were taken to a whole nother. Like Whipping Post was like a five-minute song on the album. Right. It was 22 minutes wow. on the... Okay. In memory of Elizabeth Reed. Mem same thing yeah. with Elizabeth That's Reed, like I think, was about five or... Six minutes on but this. But that live version was like 20 minutes. Or right, something. right. <laughs> Remember you showed me, I'm like, this is 20 minutes long. I'm not right. going to like pay attention to this, but yeah. it really yeah, cool. kept me hooked the whole well, time. Mountain Jim. You Mountain love Jam. Mountain Jim. That's like a half Jam. hour. It's, it's, it's like 30 it an, minutes. I'm it was a double <laughs> album of Eat a Peach and the whole both sides of one album was one song. One song. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, number two, I go with my second all-time favorite band, uh, Black Sabbath. Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, their fifth album. I've always thought, even again from you know the seventies, this is their best album. Uh, it was a very easy number two for me. You know, the, even though their first six albums are all so great with Ozzy, this was always been my favorite one. I want to say this after we're done, but there are some like there are a lot of bands that I picked and you picked, but different albums that we picked. Right. So once right. I tell you mine, okay. we'll we'll right. go okay. into it. Okay, uh, number three, uh, I go with the Allman Brothers again, Eat a Peach. This was the follow-up album to Fillmore East. And it did. Con it was a half live album, half studio album. The live album were the songs that were left off of the Fillmore East. Ah, okay. So you had One Way Out, Trouble No More, Mountain Jam, um, and and the rest of it were, were studio albums. It was the last recordings with with Dwayne Allman. He 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 died actually during the recording of the album. There were actually a couple of studio tracks that he wasn't on because he died during the recording of Eat a Peach. Yeah. That's number three for me. 
Um, number four, uh, Johnny Winter, still alive and well. Uh, anybody that knows me knows how much I love Johnny Winter. Idolized Johnny Winter from a kid. I still do track down everything I can, old magazines and any type of memorabilia I can get my hands on. Uh, this is his all-time favorite record, I think, studio album uh, from 73 that he put out after he took a hiatus from music for about two years because of drug addiction. And this was my favorite studio album uh, by Johnny Winter. I don't know if you guys are particularly big Johnny Winter fans, but... Uh, I know very little about right. him, so I'm going to second that much. All right, I got okay. two guys that are passing on me here. All right, we'll go to number five. Number five, uh, Blue Oyster Cult, another big favorite okay. of mine growing up. Um, got into them basically when they came out from around the eighth grade. Um, this was their third album, Secret Treaties, mm. which um, is, if you've ever heard, it's really way out there, but with great hooks and melodies. I, I don't think I've ever come across a, a, an album that's his way out, and you can't even describe really what it sounds mm. like, but it's so catchy, mm. and it's very hard to write music that progressive and spaced out and still have such mm. strong song structure. It's incredible. That has Subhuman on it? Subhuman? Yes, yeah. yeah. No, it's, I, it's it's best, I think their best album. Okay. And they have quite a few really good albums, mm -hmm. but... Um, Number six, I know Mark had a Uriah Heap. Number six, Demons and Wizards. Mm -hmm. um, that, I think, as a lifelong fan of them also, this I always thought was their opus. I thought this was the best album that they ever did. A uh, couple really close, Abominog, A Magician's Birthday. Yeah, Abominog's uh, a good one. Abominog's really a good, really yeah. good album. Uh, Magician's Birthday, Look at Yourself, mm. the, the, the one that was on Mark's list. Sonic Origami. So, right, th those are all like right right under the, the Demons and Wizards. But Demons and Wizards also, you know, it's just... It's iconic. I mean, it, yeah, yeah yes. I mean, I, again, another album that I still to this day listen to regularly, and I think I, I like it every bit mm. as much as when I got turned on to it as, as a, a freshman in high school. Easy Living. Easy living. Mm -hmm. It's every song is just so good on it. Yeah. Uh, number seven, Led Zeppelin, Physical Graffiti. Mm -hmm. um, this was tough for me because I originally was going to go with Led Zeppelin four because I think it's probably their say, best album. The little change there, right? Yeah. But less men to change. <laughs> again, it was like, do I go what I think people think are the best album, mm -hmm. or do I go what I've always enjoyed mm -hmm. the most? And Physical Graffiti was a double album mm -hmm. in '75. And it's just so loaded with mm -hmm. great songs, epic songs, short, catchy songs. And I really think the fact that it was a double album puts it over the top from the rest of their albums. Okay. You know? Because it wasn't, an, it wasn't a double album loaded with any crap. It was mm -hmm. just like two albums of great Led Zeppelin. Was that their most successful album, you would say? You know, the thing with them is at that point, every album that was coming out, it just did better than the one before okay. you know mm -hmm. like from led zeppelin four to houses to the whole of the holy to mm -hmm. physical graffiti to presence, presence yeah y you know it, it's really it, it, it it's i don't know the the sales on and everything but it was it was massive mm -hmm. when it came out mm -hmm. like if you were into rock and hard rock it was like you couldn't resist yeah oh, forget it uh number nine uh, number eight i'm at here okay deep purple uh, made in Japan. In my opinion, it's the second greatest live album of all time behind the Allman Brothers' mm -hmm. Fillmore East. I know a lot of people say UFO, Strangers in the Night. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, for me, it's Deep Purple, made in Japan. Oh, and this yeah, was an easy choice. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, this was an easy choice for me because it encompassed all the albums before that. So you got all the great songs off the three albums before that with Ian Gillen. Yeah, like and a great, greatest hits live. It was a greatest hits live. Yeah. And it, again, like the Allman Brothers, see, this was recorded in 72. The Allman Brothers was 71. Mm. All the songs were taken to a, you know, really over the top, long, you know, crazy jamming, super heavy. The songs were much heavier than in the studio. So that was an easy one. Number mm. nine, uh, another band from the 70s. It's probably as Surprise. big. Yeah, I mean, you know, right there, right there with you know, Surprise. Omen Brothers and 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 Sabbath with Jethro Tull, uh, who I who I got mm -hmm. to see in the seventies in their prime, and um, I go with again, that's probably their best album. You know, I think most people would agree that Aqualung is, if not their best album, it's right there. And I picked Aqualung. Mm, I agree. You agree. I agree. Um, Number 10, another band that I, I, I loved. I was very big into Southern rock, um, although I never really cared for the categorization of it, but that's what everybody knows it as. Uh, another live album, Leonard Skinner, One More From The Road. And the same thing as with Purple and, and the Allman Brothers. Songs were more drawn out, a lot of jamming, um, much longer versions, very heavy, well-recorded and um, that was 10. Number 11, uh, Rolling Stones, Beggar's Banquet. Um, very hard to whittle down Rolling Stones, but... Um, so many albums. So many albums, albums and so many great albums. Mm -hmm. um, I in particular always loved the Mick Taylor period, which was basically from 69 to, I guess, early 75. Um Next is number 12 would be the Yes album by Yes. Again, I always thought that was their best album. Uh, has a lot of iconic songs on it as, you know, I, I think even people that didn't grow up in this generation know the songs that mm. are on that album. Um, 13, Black Sabbath, Mob Rules. Mm. I know a lot of people probably think Heaven and Hell, which Maybe I... the guy to the left of you is right. thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went with rules because I just... I, I honestly think it's a better album from cover okay. to cover. I, I mm. thought um, I thought its predecessor was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I thought a little bit at the end, I thought, you know, maybe the last two songs were, were okay to good. But Mob Rules, every song was just great. It had an unbelievable production. I, I don't know if the production, they, they, this band was ever captured better for heaviness on Mob Rules. The bass sound and the drum sound is just monumental. 14, Alcatraz. No parole from rock and roll. Ah, okay. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Yeah, it's, again, an album that I still play regularly, actually quite regularly. Um... And, and really different, really different from its time. It, it, it introduced a very young 20-year-old Yngwie Malmsteen, who to this day I think this album was the best playing he ever did because it was very uh, melodic and yeah. for the song. Well, we talked about that in the, the Mark Bowles interview yes. that we did. Right, um, I brought that up in the Mark Bowles. Right. Yeah. It's, it's still to this day, with all the albums he did, a lot of them which I like, I still think his best playing was on this. Of course, it has the iconic Graham Bonnet, one of my favorite singers, and just also really quirky songs about really quirky things like, you know, the bombing in Hiroshima and, 
being stuck in a hospital with an illness, like all, all these crazy things he came out, but the songs were so catchy. Was that Bonnet's uh, doing with yes. the, the writing of those? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 14. 15, another one of my real favorite bands, Thin Lizzy. I went with Thunder and Lightning. Um, it was that's, very tough yeah. between Chinatown for me and, and Thunder and Lightning. Um, I think the Sykes Factor yeah. probably separated that out. I've always said that Chinatown might be my favorite album, but... Mm-hmm. Thunder and Lightning is something that was also very iconic because it brought Thin Lizzy into like a more modern era. Mm. They had now like a top guitar slinger and and Lenat said that he wanted the band to be heavy. He wanted to challenge heavy bands and he went out and he got, you know, one of the top uh, gunslingers of its time in in Sykes and really brought the band to a place it had never been before in top terms of heaviness that's, that's got cold sweat on it yes it yeah. does yep that's interesting i you know i totally forgot of like anything when i, I didn't even consider thin lizzie but yeah uh, that's that's a great album yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's um 16 rainbow long live rock and roll okay i know rising is the uh is is the favorite of, of most i know my son would favor that my <laughs> dear friend phil favors that but to me long live rock and roll i like the production a lot better and I also, I just thought it was a better album from cover to cover and um, has just iconic songs on it, you know. Um, and that's, that's what I went. I, it really wasn't even a choice for me between that and... Um, well, I think the great thing about this is that, you know, it's, it's everybody, you got three guys sitting here and it's, it's your top, right. you know, mm-hmm. albums. It yeah. doesn't have to be, like you said, it doesn't have to be the majority of what everybody exactly. might like. Right, it's, right. it's what you, you mm-hmm. know, for whatever reason, right. you know, so it's, yeah, nothing yep. wrong with that. So Rainbow, Long Live Rock and Roll, 16, 17, uh, Riot, Fire Down Under. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Their good best one. album, uh, one of, if not the best album of the early 80s. We saw them on this, uh, right? Yeah, we, we saw them. We, we we saw Riot, and um, I was like fourteen. Yep, yeah. I took them to see it. Was, that was the toughest deal lineup, but okay. they did a lot of songs from from wow. from this also. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's probably their best album. I maybe this and Thundersteel, but uh, Swords and Tequila, you, uh, and yeah, yeah um, like the whole yeah. album, yeah, Alter of the King. Alter I mean, King. it's it's just, and also a really well produced album. Um, that came in at 17, 18, uh, deep purple, come taste the band. It's a little mm. bit of a curveball mm. there, but yeah. again, I went with what I really love. Sure. And this was the, the third installment with David Coverdale and, and Glenn Hughes fronting the band and with all the accolades Byrne got and the turbulence of Stormbringer with Blackmore being, you know, uh, disenchanted with the band, uh, they came back with Tommy Bolton which was a real strange uh, twist for the band, but it, it worked. He, he played blazing leads on this album, and the songs were tremendous. Glenn Hughes stood to the front a lot more than he did uh, earlier on, uh, sang lead on, on a number of songs, and it's it's one of my favorite albums, and, and it's probably my favorite uh, Studio D Purple album, believe it or not. Yeah, no, that's interesting. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 19, I went with uh, Ian Gillen, Glory Road. Oh, wow. His uh, 1980 uh, solo album, which I love to death. Another album that I still listen to regularly. And an album that, in my opinion, was better than a number of Deep Purple albums. It's just, uh, songs are incredible. Great lineup with um, 
John McCoy on, on bass and um, Bernie on guitar, which we had a, had a short stint with uh, Ozzy, a very yeah. short stint. <laughs> Bernie Torme. Bernie yeah. Torme, a very short stint. Well, I think it was two shows, right? Was that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, again, you know, it's a little bit out of left field. And, you know, maybe people say, well, why didn't you put, you know, like, uh, you know, the Machine Head or... Yeah. But uh, I just, uh, that Gillen album, I thought, was better than a lot of Deep Purple albums from cover to cover. And also a, a quirky album, too. Strange songs and mm. great, great hooks, great vocals, great band, uh, great album. Uh, number 20, uh, Michael Schenker Group, uh, self-titled, uh, the second album. Because Michael Schenker Group, as most people know, the first two albums were both called just the Michael right. Schenker Group. Yeah, we covered that when we did the dis- right, when discography. We did the discussion. But this yeah. is the second one with the, classic <laughs> al- with the classic lineup with Paul Raymond and Cozy. And um, that, that lineup, the second album, uh, there's not a weak song on the whole album. It's, I, I, again, this Michael Schenker album, I think, was better than a number of UFO, UFO albums. yeah. And speaking of UFO, on 21, I come in with uh, UFO, No Place to Run. And that was the first album with Paul Chapman replacing mm. Michael Schenker. And it is my favorite studio album of all the UFO albums. I know you're a big Chapman guy. Yes, yeah. yes. I, I was a very big Paul Chapman yeah. guy. And um, yeah, I love that album. Every Again, every song is great. I had no problem with him being the new lead guitar player because I thought the songs were... Fantastic, and he was a hell of a player too. Kind of like out of the Gary Moore style of playing, uh, aggressive uh, on, on the fretboard. Uh, Twenty-two. I know you had a, a, a classic docking. My classic docking was uh, under lock and key. Ah, okay. Uh, really, because that to me that album just it's one of those things that when when I put it on, I just tunnel vision back to nineteen to that era that right that time period right. right? Yeah. Was it eighty five that album? Eighty five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just like it just reeks of 1985. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I could, I, I do. I know a lot of people would prefer that album probably over what I picked, but yeah, I, I could. See and that. I wouldn't say one's better than yeah. the other. I think they're equally great. Yeah. There's just something about that under lock and key album right. that. Well, just that's what like I a, what I had with the the Van Halen debut. It's like I said, it, it brings you back to a right. time period for right. whatever Which reason. That says a lot. I it mean, sure you does. Know, if a record yeah. could bring you back, yeah, you know, 35 years in time, right. And nothing else will. That that says a lot for the uh, for the band. Uh, number twenty three, uh, Robin Trower, uh, Bridge of Sighs. Mm. Uh, dating myself again, back into the seventies. <laughs> but uh, I thought you were. I, I thought I noticed a, a pattern. You you started out with the early seventies. You worked your way up. Mm. We were into the eighties. Now you jump it back again. <laughs> Bring it back, back to, to Robin Trower. Uh, <laughs> this was I, I think his best studio album. I think most people think uh, it's his best studio album. Um, I was lucky enough to see Trower at the Capitol Theater uh, in his heyday. Nice. And um, very Jimi Hendrix-influenced in his guitar playing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, a, a superior player, in my opinion, to Hendrix, but had the tone down and the style down and had, had the great James Dewar on vocals, one of the great singers of the 70s that never mm-hmm. got his just desserts because he wasn't a proper front, front man. He played bass and he sang. Uh, were, you, were you a Hendrix fan? I was. Yeah. I was. I was a big Hendrix fan. Um, number 24, uh, Ozzy, Diary of a Madman. Mm-hmm. Uh, always preferred this album over the first one, even before the songs were grossly overplayed on the first one. <laughs> it um, just had a few songs on it that I thought were just, you know, out of this world. The guitar playing, the production, 
And I thought he captured more of that, what he loves to put out there, that evil, nasty, you know, even though we know it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I thought he captured that whole thing a lot more than he did on the first album. Hmm. And um, that came in at 24. And right on the heels of it is his uh, nemesis counterpart uh, through his career, Ronnie James Dio. Mm. And uh, a little bit of a curveball with my pick there, Sacred Heart. As TJ uh-huh. knows, that's my favorite album. And most people go with either, you know, Last in Line or, or the Holy Diver. Yeah. But I always loved Sacred Heart. The song Sacred Heart, I thought, was the best song he ever did, at least in his solo career. And I just love all those songs, Rock and Roll Children, Shoot Shoot. It's just yeah. so Even many. the song Sacred Heart. Yeah, the song yeah. Sacred Heart is, yeah, oh, really is ridiculous. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's my top 25. And I do have a short honorable mention list, which I'll go through very quickly. Okay. Um, I have the Helicopters, High Visibility. I've uh, been a huge helicopter fan for years. I, I know a lot of hard rock metal guys are not into them. I that's, don't know yeah, why. That's a band I probably couldn't tell you right. anything about. And, I, and <laughs> I don't know why, because Helicopters got lumped in from the beginning as a punk band. They were categorized as a punk band. And I know it just turned a lot of people off. And early on, they leaned heavily toward punk. But by the th- third album, they were away from it. And they're just a really phenomenal, straight-ahead Swedish hard rock band um some stones influences at places uh and then they changed guitar plays and they brought in a guy that was a really high-end player and their songs went to like a another level and for anybody that's never checked them out i would really suggest this album it's got great singing phenomenal songs great production um little punk influences here and there but they're really not a punk band, even though that's what most people think they are. And that's why a lot of, especially Americans, have never really uh, discovered how great this band is. Hmm. Uh, my second honorable mentioned, uh, back into the 70s, uh, Mountain, Twin mm-hmm. Peaks, um, which was recorded in Japan in 74, I believe. Mississippi Queens on there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Every, yeah. Well, that's why, again, I kind of like what the Allman Brothers and Deep Purple made in Japan. I went with this as opposed to a studio album because it contained all their great songs, Nantucket Sleigh Ride, you know, everything. And again, just what, you know, heavy, much heavier, much longer versions, Mountain Twin Peaks, double album. Mm. Never in My Life is on Never there. Never in My Life is on there. Yeah. Yep. That's good. Yep. Uh, I believe it was recorded in Osaka, Japan in 73. 73 or 74. Uh, number three, uh, again, back into the 70s, uh, Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here. Um, I was a big Pink Floyd fan in the 70s. Um, what about the 80s? Uh, no. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> we parted company around 1980 with the, 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 the wall, which uh. I basically had no use for. But, um, they had a string of phenomenal albums in, in, this, in the 70s, and this was, I, I thought, the, the best of, of them. Better than Dark Side of the Moon? I, I'd rated a little bit ahead of Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, it's real close with Animals, which mm-hmm. is a personal favorite of mine. Yeah. Uh, Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, Animals, that's the real meat and potatoes of Pink Floyd for me. Yeah. Uh, they I, At that point, I was as big into them as I was any band. Mm-hmm. But they uh, put the brakes on that with the wall. So And, and then when Roger Waters left, I, I don't know, it was like one of those things that just Pink Floyd without Roger Waters was just... 
Mm. I don't know. Never, never the really, same. Never really sat right with me. Yeah. Uh, just a couple more honorable mentions, and I could shut my mouth for a while. Um, <laughs> this one, I think Mark will uh, definitely uh, cozy up to. Uh, King's X debut out of the ah, Silent Planet. Yes. All right. That's yeah. That's a band I, I you know, I had considered. The, but, the, the uh, debut album, um, a lot different than all the other things of its kind. And yes. I always, I always give them that credit because there was so few bands I thought in the '80s that were totally original, and these guys were totally original. And to this day, nobody sound oh, sounds yeah. or sounded like them. I mean, at t- least talk about then. them in, in a in at that time in that era of their their existence. That the live shows they did talk about. You talked about a yeah. bunch of live albums. I mean, the, the shows were just yeah. I saw wow. them on the second tour, the Gretchen tour. Yeah. I saw them at, at uh, Lemoore's with uh, Phil and Vinny, and they, they played every song from yeah. both, both albums. Oh, yeah, they were a great, great and live. for band. three guys, I never saw yeah. three guys yes. that could right. do an album like you wouldn't even, there wasn't one note out of place. Yeah. Um, that was number four. Uh, number five, Heavy Pettin', Letting Loose, their debut album. Nice one. Yeah, huh. which is just, you know, they've always been kind of compared to uh, Def Leppard because they came out at the same time and yeah. um, a lot of people thought that e- early on that Heavy Petten was going to be the bigger of the two bands but obviously it, it didn't work out that way but I would take Letting Loose um, as much as I do like early Def Leppard I would take Heavy Petten Letting Loose over anything Def Leppard mm. ever did good, good honorable mention there I yeah. like that one yeah. and I my final honorable mention which I, 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 I I've always referred to this album for, for years as the greatest AOR album of all time so I felt I had to stick it in here Shooting Star Silent Scream wow good one yeah and that's and I've always been very adamant about that I think it is the perfect AOR album I don't think anything has ever trumped it hmm. uh, obviously a band that was very regional in the states it yeah. wasn't really well known on the east coast right uh, never really took off particularly big overseas. They were they had their hot spots in the Midwest and they, where they were huge, and um, kind of lived in the shadow of Kansas a little bit. Yeah, they you know they employed the um, a lot of keyboards and violin on some songs. Uh, original singer was just uh, fantastic. It had a lot of Steve Perry in his voice. Um, yeah, that's it. That's a that's good a wrap. One. That's a good one. I like that. Good way to end up. Okay. Nice. Now we're going to move on to TJ. And I'm looking forward to this one here because I I, I mean, we all know this. TJ's been on the show before. Mm -hmm. 21? 22. 22. Yes. So um, it'll be interesting to see where he comes Mm -hmm. from. I know he's he's got a lot of. before our very eyes. (laughs) (laughs) I know he's got a lot of influence from his dad. So I know there's going to be a lot of classic stuff on there. But but yeah, go ahead. Take it. Well, he's got a huge advantage. I could just throw in one thing. He's got a huge advantage that me and you didn't have Apple Music. (laughs) (laughs) Apple Music is one of them, but a father that let him buy the hand to the good stuff. I mean, me and you, we had to figure it out. Right. Um, but okay. All right, so, let it roll. So I kind of took the best of, of my opinion from the seventies and the eighties. Okay. So the majority of my list is going to be debut albums from the bands that I chose because I feel like that those were like the most impactful to me. Okay. Not every band is going to be the debut, but just a heads up. Um, majority of the stuff is from early seventies and early eighties, and there's a little bit in the later seventies. So. Here we go. So number one, my all-time favorite album is going to be from my favorite band of all time, ACDC, Back in Black from 1980. Wow. The first album with Brian Johnson. I feel like whenever I hear these songs, you know, Back in Black itself, Shoot to Thrill, you know, You Shook Me All Night Long, all these songs, like it's just, 
I don't know what it is. It just uh, like, great adrenaline fused songs. The, exactly. No when when someone it. asks yeah. me like, what music are you into? I'll say, oh, I'm into rock. Like, oh, well, what's your favorite band? I'll say ACDC. And I think of like Back in Black, like all these like mm. classic songs. That I feel like just personify rock as I know it. You know, just classic yeah. songs that just I could play every single day of my life, and I wouldn't even like great production. I wouldn't even feel like too. I'm getting tired of it. Like that's how amazing I feel like these songs are. I know there's a lot of you know debates about Brian Johnson's you know voice and him not being as good as Bon Scott, but I just feel like th- yeah, this guy right here, <laughs> <laughs> pointing at Tom. the senior over here, um, and I see that and I totally understand that. I can see why people would think that, but I just feel like these songs are just like from top to bottom, like just classic after classic after classic, like just almost like just perfection yeah, to yeah. me. I mean, you know, here's a just band so that, good. Yeah. They lost their their original right. singer, right? And then they come back with this album. And this is their the first, first album with first that album. Scott. Oh, Absolutely, it's like yeah, you're right. This song. I always thought just... Mark Storacci would have been a better fit. <laughs> <laughs> so clocking in at number two is uh, Dio's "Holy Diver." So I mentioned in the, uh, the I think it was the Black Sabbath discography that this was like my favorite album of all time. Well, it's number two. Okay, but it was you know it's it's one of those albums that when I think of the first songs that I ever heard, you know, in the rock genre or heavy metal, this is the song I think of. Like, I think you showed me this album when I was like 10 years old or something mm-hmm. or 11 or whatever it was. And I was like, wow, like listening to Holy Diver, it was just, it was, I couldn't even describe it to you like what I was like thinking. Like, this isn't, I never heard of something so unique like this, you know, songs like Rainbow in the Dark, you know, just Rainbow in the Dark and Holy Diver itself, those two songs sharing the same album. It was, was a very immediate so... album. I remember when I, even yeah. when it came out, like uh, me and Phil were just talking about this at his house a few weeks ago. It was a very immediate album. As soon as you listened to it, you knew you were listening to something really special. Mm-hmm. And Dio's vocals, I thought, were just like, yeah. through the roof with, with each won't. and every song here. Uh, number three is going to be Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell. So, mm-hmm. um, you had just mentioned... Mob, mob rules. Uh, rules, right? So, Heaven to Hell and Mob Rules to me are neck and neck. I mean, they're just yeah. There's no you know, question about it. You know, it's they're in a category of their own, I think. But the songs like Die Young and Neon Night, Neon Nights itself, I think it's just like it's so good, you know. Um, and of course, Heaven to Hell itself, Lady Evil. I just think you know, transitioning from the Ozzy era into the Dio era with with Black Sabbath, like you couldn't ask for a better opening album. I think for well, they benefited from the fact that they now had Giza Butler and Ronnie James Dio writing together. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think the I think the band just went to another level when when this album hit. I think it was just like no, game changing. You know, it like, was it was you know it made a lot of people forget about Ozzy. Not yeah. everybody, but a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Number four is going to be Boston, uh, the the debut album, the first one. Nice. Um, you know, I think of songs like you know. Smoking, of mm. course, um, peace of mind. Um, they're just yeah. amazing. I, I love Boston itself. You know, the first and second album I think are absolutely amazing. and a band that had an incredibly unique sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to this day, nobody's ever duplicated that sound. So yeah. unique, absolutely. Uh, that was nineteen seventy six. Uh, number five here is going to be ACDC again, Highway to Hell with double Bon dipping. Scott. Double dipping. We're double dipping here. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Highway to Hell. I think it's the best of the best when it comes to Bon Scott. Um, that has Night Stalker on it? Yes, Night Prowler. Night Prowler. Night Prowler. Yeah. Um, it's my favorite. Mm-hmm. If you want blood, you got it. You know, like just Highway to Hell, of course, the song itself, it, from start to finish, is just 
it's again, it was one of those great albums. That that's my, definitely my rock. favorite ACDC album, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah, it's definitely from the Bon Scott era. This is like top notch yeah. stuff here. Number six, Rainbow Rising. And there's only one song to me that gives Rainbow the number six spot Stargazer. And I, and I get that. I mean, I it's. That. It may be the most perfect hard rock. Ever. Aggressive hard rock song ever. Ever. I mean, hmm. of course, there's other songs, Run With The Wolf, Starstruck, but Stargazer. Oh, Stargazer. Is yeah. just, I think, probably the best, like, song that Dio has ever sung. Yeah, and the, and the structure, you know, that Arabic uh, chord structure mm-hmm. that he played and the notes he played, that was all they were all Arabic scales, which nobody, I'm not going to say nobody's ever done it, because I don't know whether they did it or not, but nobody ever did it in hard rock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at least that I know of. Yeah. Um, maybe Yuli John Roth from the Scorpions around that time was mm-hmm. dabbling in that too. But yeah, a very unique song and um, a song that has probably led to hundreds, if not thousands of songs being written off of parts of it. Right. It, it is really such a unique song and it, it goes in different like routes. Like you said, it takes the Arabic route and then deals just, you know, like there's a, right. the solo with the guitar. Like it's, it's just, it never stops. Amazing. And every time you think it stops, it has like another twist right. and, and it, it just, gets, just gets it better and better and better. Right. There's no boring parts in it. Right. Uh, number seven is going to be Toto, the first album nice. from 1978. Um, songs like Hold the Line, you know, Supply the Love. I mean, these are songs you hear on the radio, yeah, but like yeah. they're no, just, you know. Great, I, it, there's no Toto album that you could ever. Yeah, fault. you can't go wrong. That's I, guess. Right. <laughs> I mean, I was really torn between Total 4 and Total 1. Okay. Give yeah. the edge to Total 1, even though Total 4 has all the good stuff on there too, like Africa and all that. But I think Total 1 was, was just in its own, like. Yeah, changing, I would you agree know? with you on that. Mm-hmm. Between those two, mm-hmm. yeah, I would I'd go probably go Fahrenheit if I had Fahrenheit. to pick yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, number seven is going to be Led Zeppelin four. Again, I was really, really I torn between you know this and Physical Graffiti, Houses of the Holy, um, even Led Zeppelin two, Presence. Like, oh, you know, it, it's so, so anything you pick from things. Led Zeppelin yeah. is going to be on anyone's. Oh, you yeah. know, it's just so good. Um, when the levee breaks, you know, Misty Mountain Top. These are just songs again, stuff you hear on the radio, but like it's just so iconic. Yeah, that, you know, exactly. from an iconic band. Yeah, probably, as much as I was never into them and yeah. it was it was turned on to them just because mm-hmm. of my age or whatever. But yeah, I mean, obviously, Led Zeppelin is a iconic band, like right? I said. So it, yeah, it's definitely on the Mount Rushmore for me when it comes to like harder rock bands. That, you know, like Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath. Oh, me too. Oh, you know, yeah. We're gonna go number nine here. Okay. Black Sabbath, Paranoid. So. You know, the, the stuff on here, Iron Man, Electric Funeral, stuff that I just, this is like stuff I play in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> just like, it's, it's, you know, 1970, so it's like the early, early days of, you know, like rock and roll. You know, this stuff is just, it's dark, but it's, oh, yeah. no, it's, it's, it's legal of its own. Yeah, um, not Electric Funeral, Fairies Wear Boots. Fairies Wear Boots, yeah love that yeah some of the deeper tracks were really the uh the most endearing songs on the album Mm -hmm. that was number nine so number 10 now is iron maiden power slave um so again i spoke about this on the iron maiden discography but power slave wasn't my favorite iron maiden album i think my favorite one was um somewhere in time i'm pretty sure i put that number one but Power Slave, and again, I changed this up. I had, you know, Number of the Beast was on here, and I took that off. I put on Somewhere in Time, and I took that off. I put on Power Slave. I just feel like Power Slave, you know, with the song Ace is High, and again, I spoke highly of this song in the discography of Iron Maiden. I, you know, 
looking at all these bands that I'm choosing here, it's like I choose like my favorite song from them and I see what album it's on. Then I go and branch off into other songs mm -hmm. on that album. And I see, okay, well, what surrounds Aces High? You know, Two Minutes to Midnight, So Good, Rhyme the Ancient Mariner. Um, this, you know, you can't go wrong with, with this album and how impactful it was on the rock community way back when, 1984. You know, even though this was way into the course of Iron Maiden, I think it's still my favorite album when it comes to the well, band. Well, it's, it's like, the album that made them a worldwide phenomenon. Yeah. There was the album that really broke, the, broke them big in the States. That was the first tour that they did stadiums. Oh. You know, like they did, you know, like the garden, like places that like, yeah. like that. The, uh, you know, the video was shot in, in uh, California. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the album that broke them like real big in the States. Yeah. Yeah. Re really game changing stuff there. Uh, number 11, The Sticks. Pieces of Eight hmm. from 1978. So, again, a song we hear a lot on the radio, Renegade is on here, but a song that you don't hear a lot on the radio, which, again, I spoke of in the Styx discography, is Queen of Spades. Yes. I, these songs are just game-changing. You know, yeah. like... I remember you saying that. Yeah, we yeah. About the, 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 no, the you're Styx a guy that's really touched by sticks. I mean, that's great. I, just, I, I know you like have, like, a special fill is like that, too. Mm -hmm. like yeah. Um, and Blue Collar Man, of course, is on there as well. Um, I just think it's Dennis DeYoung's best vocals. Yeah, you know, his voice was just, great on that. And I know this album was so, tr like, tremendously, you know, like, it, I know it put the band over the edge it at did. the time, you it know. It did. It was, it, that was the really album elevated that them. made them iconic in, in everybody's eyes. Mm -hmm. Number 12 here is Van Halen, 1984. Um, you, know, you know, a very commercial album, and I get that, Um but it's one of the first vinyl records that I had is from this album, 1984. Uh -huh. uh, so it does have a special place in my heart. I think it was like the second like vinyl that I owned. Um, uh -huh. But again, you know, the songs on here, Jump, you know, Hot for Teacher. Well, the band kind of introduced the synthesizers into yeah, the, and, their and, mix and they, and they took some heat from some of their fans sure. at the time. Oh, yeah. That album was not well received by everybody at the yeah. time it came out. There were people that liked it and it got a lot of bad press that they were selling out and they were going oh, yeah. commercial. No, yeah. Eddie wanted to Sin do the synthesizer Right, Eddie, Eddie Van Halen you know, was behind yeah, the whole sure, thing. But yeah. they, they took a fair amount of heat. I mean, I think people, you know, warmed up to sure, it. But yeah. it, it was not really totally well received when it came out. Yeah. It does have a different sound. I, and I get that. You know, it does have the commercial sound to it. But again, these are songs I can, like play every day and, you know, just love it every second that I have it on, you know. Um, so that was number 12. Number 13 here at Bon Jovi is Slippery When Wet. Wow. 1986. Yeah. Um, Huge record. Oh, yeah. You know, obviously, yeah. again, you could say they're all commercial songs, but they're just, in my opinion, just so good. You know, I ah, put the band on the map. For yeah. Sure, you know? Yeah. That's no doubt. You know, a lot of them were songs that were commercial because it became so popular. They Overplayed. Over right. The, they over really the years, weren't yeah. like a lot of them weren't really like poppy songs. They had like. You know, great chord structures and playing, and some of the songs are longer, a lot of keyboards. They mm -hmm. weren't like really like cheesy type yeah. of songs. They just became really huge. And I always look at that album as being a big game changer at the time because all of a sudden everybody wanted to sound like Bon Jovi. Oh, you yeah. remember that? No, of course. Yeah. I mean, it, that's the album that I got into the band, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I mean, but like I said, it, it, from a fan, I, that at one point, Bon Jovi was my favorite band, mm. and but I mean, like I said, when I look at the whole picture, I went with what I went with. But I, I certainly can understand where yeah. you, your point of view on that. Yeah, that Absolutely. album was so big that 
you saw bands like in Europe and yeah. UK were changing their sound. I mean, we saw yeah. that with Saxon, UFO. Yeah. You know, guys were dressing like them. Guys were adding all of a sudden a lot of keyboards mm -hmm. and wearing a little bit of makeup. Yeah, that and formula. Yeah. That, yeah, and, and it, it was a hugely uh, accepted record. It was, it, it really was a game changer in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. It really yeah. was. Living on a Prayer, of course. Oh, the songs you are love tremendous. A band name. Yeah. I mean, you think about what they that band did at that point. They started like 1986 when that album came out and they were opening for like 38 special. That's right. And then by the end That's of the, the yeah. a year and a half later, right. they're they like one of the biggest bands yeah. in the world. Right. You know? Right. Right. So, they, yeah. had, they had big slots and, and stadium gigs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number 14 is going to be deep purple machine head. And I know you went different route, which for is a reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cause I, you could easily put, I could have easily put that album on. Too. Right. And you know, listening to deep purple for like the first time, way back you know a couple of years ago this was like all the songs on this album were like the first songs that i really like was introduced to the band you know of course smoke on the water but highway star you know like those songs when i first like listened to them i was like wow this is like this is really heavy you know mm -hmm. like this this is it captures like hard rock heavy metal to a t it was way ahead of its time yeah and this was 71 so this yeah. is like as early as you could you know you could get yeah um number 15 is gonna be def leopard high and dry 1981 it's a good one yeah um the best album i think yeah I, I would agree with that definitely their best album uh number 16 jethro tull aqua lung uh from 1971 you know when i listened to the song itself aqua lung which i was introduced to you know not too long ago maybe like a year or so yeah ago. i only got you into tull maybe a, a, a year, year ago. ago i would say you know I, like i was listening to aqua lung i'm like this is like this is different, you know. It's not bad or good. It's just different oh, than like you know the so traditional like rock, written. you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it was amazing. I mean, most of the album is is written. It's like a piss take on the Catholic religion. Mm. You know, the hypocrisies of Catholicism, mm. especially like in the UK. In the UK, yeah, dating back like centuries ago. Yeah, wow. really, really cool stuff there. Number seventeen is gonna be Steely Dan. Mm. Can't buy a thrill. First album. Wow. 1972 excellent choice yes um the songs on here are just like they're catchy you yeah. know i'm not i'm not gonna say well, it's oh, kind it's of a different like, yeah we, heavy they, they, it's just catchy they you didn't know have like, their total sound yet yeah it's very hippie sounding yeah. even look at the album cover right. it's all like right. hippie stuff from and this is and skunk baxter so. had a big influence on that album he mm -hmm. was doing all the leads for them at that time and um yeah it's a kind of a different sounding album for what yeah. they became Hmm. The songs on here are Do It Again, you know, Reeling in the Years. These are songs like I go fishing and I'm like, I could put it on the background and, you know, kick back and relax. Do It Again, you know? I, to me, always sounded like a Santana song. Yeah. Yeah. Remember the first time it, yeah. I heard it? I remember I heard it on the radio when it came out. Mm -hmm. The album came out. I thought it was a Santana song. A really old school, like early 70s sound. Yeah. yeah. That's number 17. Number 18, Leonard Skinner, first album pr pronounced Leonard Skinner uh, from 1973. And. It, Two songs really do it for me, and you know, probably does it for a lot of people. But that's gonna be Freebird and Simple Man, um, which I know I put on. We put on something a couple of days ago. Was it Freebird? And you're like, oh, again, Freebird. But <laughs> it's you know, it's just stuff again no, that I can listen song. to it's over and over it's... and over again, just like everyone else on the radio. Yeah. Like you can just play it over and over again. It's like it's... and it's not even satellite radio that yeah. overplayed it. That was overplayed by FM radio back in the day. Yeah. 
Oh, well, so it's that old joke, right? When everybody's like in the uh, at like a bar and they f- yell out "Freebird," play "Freebird," right. yeah, right. yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's a running band. joke. Exactly. Like My friends still yeah. do. They will go out to put on the phone and like go, yeah. like, "I'll play yeah. "Freebird," like right. to the whoever's like performing, you know, yeah. to try to get their attention. Uh, but those, you know, like Leonard Skater is such a classic band, but like they those, were great band. Yeah, I, I know they're one of your favorites. Yep. Um, but they, they're on the list for me, number eighteen. Number nineteen is going to be Rush, Moving Pictures from nineteen eighty one. Uh, the song Limelight for me is just, I, again, I could listen to it every single day and it's, it's just amazing. X, Y, Z, uh, you know, these songs like that, it's nothing like that's, I wouldn't say it's anything like amazing to blow you out of the water, but like, it's just like from top to bottom, like just classic song after classic song, oh, yeah. like just one after another. I know it's not their best album, but like, it's such a great album like to listen to like every day, you know, like Limelight is such a good song. Um, Number 20, Blue Oyster Cult, Agents of Fortune, 1976. So I know the song Fear the Reaper is on there. Um, ETI, like just really, really like deep tracks, I would say, you know. Um, And I like Blue Oyster Cult too. You mentioned Secret Treaties. That's a great album. But for me, Agents of Fortune. The first four studio albums by Blue Oyster Cult are just... Untouchable. Yeah. Tyranny and Mutation. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, their first four are just unbelievable. So coming at number 21 is going to be Kiss Destroyer from 1976. So to me, Kiss is like, I know it's very generic, like rock, but like it's just something about this album I think is... No, it's it, a great is, album. Yeah. It's a, good, it's a great hard rock album. Yeah. I mean, God of Thunder, Detroit Rock City. One of the greatest hard rock songs ever, Detroit yeah. Rock City. And it's, of course, still played over, you know, 100 yeah. times a day on the radio. But I like, just I, the way I, that, I, that, that song, like when it's the album starts, you got yeah. the radio. It's thing like the guy in the oh, bar yeah, put it on the radio. So then he goes cool, in the car, right? starts the car up, and yeah, then the song goes. Yeah, like, cool. you know... Terrific. Yeah. I remember as a little kid, I was like, that was 76 years old. Mm-hmm. I was 76. six years old. Yeah. I just remember like kind of like putting on like the album. Yeah. Because I, 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 at that time I'm looking at, I'm like, to me, Kiss was all about the image. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it wasn't at six years old, you're not looking, listening to music as much. Mm-hmm. But I remember kind of like getting that and I like a vinyl or whatever it was. And I just remember putting on, I remember that listening to that it, it freaked me out with that like the whole like the way the, the the radio and we were talking about like a some like a slaying or killing or something yeah Wasn't it, like someone something? Was, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, they were like a news report and I was like, it was uh different yeah yeah 22 is gonna be the helicopters high visibility you had just talked about them on your um honorable mentions but they come in at number 22 this was a very very late um, ch- change that I had done to my list, adding them here, number 22. Songs like Toys and Flavor, um, Hopeless Case of a Kid Denial, um, You're Too Good. Like, you know, th- it's a band that you introduced me to recently, and I just fell in love with, especially this album. I don't know too much beyond this album, but for this album itself, released in 2000, High Visibility just is so good. And it is kind of punky. It is kind of a little bit of thrashy here and there, but it's also just old school. Right. But it's from the modern era right. of the two thousand, the year I was born. So like it's it's I think to me, definitely makes it on the list for me. Uh, Twenty three is going to be Judas Priest screaming for vengeance, nineteen eighty two. Um, of course, the song itself, screaming for vengeance. I love Judas Priest, um, but I think this album. And I have the vinyl as well for this album. Uh, this really captured the rock image in my mind of like the 80s like thinking back to the early 80s not so much like the later 80s um every song from top to bottom is just phenomenal and 
I know different sounds of Priest throughout the years, but this to me, early 80s was just tremendous. I think it's easily their best album that they did in the 80s. I was never a huge Judas Priest fan of the 80s. Mm-hmm. I was more of a, a much bigger fan of Judas Priest in the 70s. Yeah. But I would say out of their 80s albums, that was probably the best one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number 24 is Uriah Heep, Demons and Wizards. Um, again, I mentioned Easy Living when you were talking about this album. Uh, Rainbow Demon. Um, again, this is early 70s stuff. Proggy sounding. Um, really just very, very unique sounding. A lot album. of Hammond organ. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and number 25 is going to be the Rolling Stones' Some Girls from 1978. You know, I know it's not like an extremely heavy album, but the songs that are on there, like Miss You, Beast of Burden, again, stuff that you just kick back and like relax. That's a terrific album. Yeah. I would say that, that was mm-hmm. the last great Rolling Stone album. Yeah. So um, that's yeah, my band, list. A band I was never a, a fan of, I could say, but I mean, yeah, you just the two songs mm-hmm. you mentioned, great songs. Yeah, you yeah. Know? That, that was a yeah. terrific album. I would yeah. say that. That was, their, that was, in my opinion, that was their last great album. Yeah. Mm. And there you have it. Okay. And you have honorable mentions? I do not. No, no? honorable okay. mentions. Mm-hmm. Right, you played it by the book. Very textbook. You know, there's one thing I did want to add that I wanted to say at the beginning, should have said at the beginning. I did purposely omit the Beatles because I grew up a, a, a tremendous Beatle fanatic. Still am to this day. But the reason I omitted the Beatles, probably, you know, not probably, in my opinion, still the greatest band of all time in terms of music structure and oh yeah everything. they were an original right I mean, so i <laughs> i left them out because for me as a i grew up on them i, I was unfortunately i'm old enough that i remember <laughs> beatlemania and i was part of it uh I, I i couldn't there's no way i could pick the white album from abbey road or, or mm. sergeant yeah. pepper or from rubber soul or help or so i i i left the Beatles out because if I was really going to do it the right way, I probably would have taken up seven or eight slots with <laughs> Beatles albums. So. Mm. Yeah. I know for me, like I, when we were doing this and, and when I first started to put my list together, I was like, well, w- you know what we kind of cover. And I think, you know, Tom and I being friends for so long, I, I think we, and I, and you obviously just showed it with your list, a lot of seventies, Almond brothers, stuff like that. But I mean, I I know for I think our tie-in with our friendship has always been more about like those the hard rock and metal yes. type of bands. Right. And so like I was kind of when we first started doing this, I was kind of concentrating on just including those type of bands in my list. But I, I had a couple things, and I I was heavily into like in the '90s period when kind of a lot of the music that I grew up on went away. Uh, I was into a lot of like singer songwriter stuff. And I was into stuff like Edwin McCain. Um, I remember when you Michael were. McDermott. Michael McDermott, you were really was a, big. A guy was, yeah. And they, they have two, there's two albums by the, one album each by those guys that I absolutely love. But I, I didn't include them in the list because I, I felt I, it was sort I, of. I did the same thing. There was one particular Grateful Dead album that I absolutely adore. Yeah. There's a couple of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Al, uh, Young albums that I, I love. But I, I felt like it's really like, you know, yeah, getting veering off, the, off a little. Yeah, because the, we do a yeah. podcast that's basically based on, right. you know, hard rock yeah. or, you know, uh, hard rock, some metal, some AOR. Right. But I felt it was really starting to get off the path too much to start going Grateful Dead and Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young and, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So I, I, I left like things like I tried to make it a little bit more mainstream. I think it was I, I would say of this whole all the albums that were talked about tonight, I think the ones that probably threw me for a biggest loop is, is you two guys picking the helicopters. Because I, it's a band I'm not familiar I tried, with whatsoever. I tried, a couple of years back, I was talking to you about them. 
but I'll have to. I'll have to uh, try this know. album yeah. out. I'm telling yeah, you, it's this really album good. is really good. Yeah, I think there's nothing you would not like about it. Okay, no, I'll give it a shot for sure. High visibility. Okay, yeah. I mean, they have a load of great ones, but I would start with that one. It's the one I got TJ into. Okay. Yeah. So there are a lot of bands, like I said, that we share, but different albums that we picked. Right. You know, which I think is pretty interesting when. Because you lived through all this. Uh, unfortunately, I've lived <laughs> through all of this and then some. And I didn't. So it's right. like looking back, you know, at all this stuff, it's like, you know, for example, like you look at the two Dio albums that, you know, with Sabbath, like you picked Mob Rules, I went Heaven and Hell. So we, we, we take a lot of different routes. You know, Led Zeppelin, I went with Four. You went with Physical Graffiti. You know, even Rainbow, I went Rising. You went Long Little Black and Roll. So there's a lot of things that just kind of like parallel each other. But like I would give a slight edge to something and you would give a slight edge to something else. So I think it's pretty interesting to see the parallels there between all these bands that we share, but different albums that we consider like our favorite. Yeah. And that's sometimes the hardest part. It was the hardest part for me too, is bands that you really love. Like how do you pick that one album sometimes? Yeah. And uh, like the, the, the Sabbath, what you're talking about, I, I went with Mob Rules because I really, there's something about the heaviness and the way that album was recorded. Uh, that I just preferred a drop over the predecessor, which mm -hmm. you could go either way, you yeah. know. But there were a lot of those, you know, as uh, the deep, the deep purple stuff. There's so much deep purple that I like of different eras, and try to whittle that down. But I even got an Ian Gillen in there, uh, you know. I almost actually put a perpendicular in in my list, and I I just have such great memories of that. Did that, you see it, them on that tour? I saw them on that tour, Beacon Theater. That, I, yeah, I went too. Yeah, you we didn't go show. together, but no. I know we, we, we were both there at the same time. That show, yeah. I'll always just in my in my memory. Was the night banks, before Thanksgiving? It was the night before Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. uh, nineteen ninety six, yeah. and I will always remember that. Uh, I'll show. always remember the traffic. The traffic. Well, I, I mean, it was funny because I, I and I've told you this story before. It was we, unbelievable. We getting into the city was like insane. I yeah. thought we were going to be late, yeah. and we couldn't find a parking spot. We were like twenty blocks away, mm -hmm. and we were running to the Beacon Theater to get there. And we got there in time, you know, right. before it started. I had great seats. We were like tenth row, like dead center. Yeah, I was on the floor too, all the right. way. But yeah, oh, very yeah. close wow. up front. But it was a great show. But I always have great memories about that album, you know. And I almost, you know, that's something I was just about there. If I gave you an eighth, I like know, that album. I mean, honorable would, mention. Yeah, yeah, it's it. I, I like that album a lot. The first actually. one with Steve yeah. Morse. Uh, you know, but... it's different era for the band, right. obviously. But songs were great, you know. So and then seeing them in concert on that. Yeah, tour, and you had that lineup was still intact. Yeah, Ward, Ward was John Ward yep. was still there, and obviously Ian Pace and Ian Gillen and. Roger Glover, so yeah, that was yeah. But yeah. I, the thing I always remember is the traffic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember I got there so early. Whoever the opening band is, I remember I wanted to see. I don't remember who it was though. Yeah, I can't completely yeah. missed the opening band. Yeah, I think and we actually did too. got yeah. into the theater when they just were coming on, on stage, stage. Really? Oh. Yeah, we were there slightly before, but I think we definitely missed the opening band too. And because I can't it remember. was the night before Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. uptown in the city, and the Beacon Theater. There's a park behind it, a couple of blocks, and that was where they were blowing Blown up, up the balloons, the balloons for the, for the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Day parade. Oh. So you know all the people that go there to see. It was a madhouse. Yep. It was unbelievable. I you, remember that. Every side street you turned down, you sat on for a half hour before you got to the corner. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. No, I remember, and it was funny because I think after the show, me and a couple friends went to a bar, and you know they were like, I don't know if they were walking the the. Balloons the balloons, yeah. or something like right. that. Yeah. It was just, it was right. wild. When we came, you know? the concert was over. The balloons, you started to see them dr drifting out. Okay, yeah. yeah. But yeah, great, great, great memory from a, a great show. 
But no, nah, this was pretty interesting. I, like I said, we've never done this before. Um, we're clocking in at hour and 20, hour and 25 yeah, so anybody that's hung in one? there with us. The other thing that I found, like, listening to, especially TJ's list, there are so many bands that I love that nothing made that, that didn't make the cut no, no Iron Maiden no well, that Toto. was funny when you, when you brought Maiden up it was right. like what 16 in your list right. or something uh, like yeah that? number 10 yeah or 10 yeah. No I Judas was like Priest. finally someone no. said Maiden right? yeah. I was like I couldn't believe it it made it that no long no Steely Dan no uh, Maiden no, no Def Leppard no, no Rush well, Def Leppard I mean I really was only really big on the first three albums so mm. I could see where that but uh, you know I know Boston. Judas Priest Boston. Boston, that's a good one. Yeah, someone like uh, me, another band you know, that clicked yeah. in my mind that I was huge into for a long time in the seventies and early eighties was the Scorpions. Mm. Um, nothing by them. Nothing by them for any mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously, and it's strange because you're looking at the dynamic here. And we've, we've talked about this before. Is, is Tom and I? We have eleven years between us. Um, and I've always said that I'm more of an '80s child. I grew up in the '80s, so I, it would stand the reason that I'd be into like oh, yeah. the, right. the, the, the more yeah. the hair right. era yeah, of that, right. the arena yeah. rock period mm-hmm. of that was going on. So you know, you look at my list, and there's a ton of that stuff on there. And you know, but then it's obviously it's funny because you hear here's TJ at 22, but it's so influenced from his dad as far right. as music stuff. So it, there's a lot of parallels. But it was interesting, like you said, how you each had similar bands but different, different releases albums. Yeah. different yeah. albums so that yeah. was kind of cool yeah you know for me the big having grown up through all these eras the biggest difference between the 70s and the 80s were in the 70s if you were into like bands if you were like a guy like a music guy like we are you liked pretty much all this stuff like it was very accepted to be into Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and be into Black Sabbath. Right? It, yeah, it wasn't. There was no like. Right, yeah, and and the eighties, everything yeah. like became very uh, right. comp, com, com, What's the word I'm looking for? Like compact. Yeah. Like you had to be. You were a metal guy. Right. You were a thrash guy. You right. were a prog guy. You were an right. AOR guy. Mm-hmm. You were, you know, and guys usually didn't move out of that. Right. Where in the seventies. I, I, my tastes weren't anything that were not much different than most people, yeah. you know? Like, well, we talked about that on one of the episodes in the past where it was like, you talk about the, the, the shows that went on back then. I think it was an episode when, when we were doing the riot one, maybe with Phil or something, but we talked about the bands like, you know, you, I think Phil mentioned, it, I don't know if you were at the show, but like Judas Priest played the Palladium and like Ario Speedwagon opened or something. Right. It's like you, you, who, right. who would have thought, you know, yeah. and you look at a band like Ario Speedwagon. Right. Played but that's Judas a tail Priest end of the seventies too. Yeah. I mean, you know, like even more so mid seventies, early seventies. You know, it, it wasn't strange to be into right. Pink Floyd and Black Sabbath yeah. or Grateful Dead and Leonard Skinner. Yeah, and, it's two different. Yeah, it was like if, if you were a music guy, you appreciated all this stuff. And I saw all these bands. I saw yeah. the Dead. Yeah, I saw yeah. the Dead in their prime at, at, at the Garden in 74, 75. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was a guy that was like huge into Sabbath and all that hot, the hardest stuff of its time, but I was big into the dead. Yeah. And Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young and a lot of that hippie stuff I, I, I liked a lot. Johnny Winter. And- Johnny Winter, which is another, that's another, you know, yeah. that's, you know, in a, more in a blues yeah. uh, tradition. Mm-hmm. Trower also was, nice. you know, it's that was the difference between the two. The 80s was like you were, you had to identify. Yeah, it was more defined. Yeah, right, right. right. Yeah. If you were a thrash true. guy, you were a thrash guy. Right. You know, if you were a metal guy, you better be a metal guy because if somebody found out you like something that wasn't right. metal, they'd say, they don't you already yeah. into metal? Right, you, you, you couldn't, you couldn't like Metallica listen and to bon this, Jovi. Yeah, yeah this time, crappy you know? shit, you know, yeah. like right. the 70s wasn't like that. It was a much more open, you know. Yeah. 
you could be into prog band. I was really into prog too, you know, yeah. uh, big into ELP. Obviously, Yes was on my list here. Yeah. Yep. Uh, UK, you know, uh, all those bands. So it's a difference between the two the two eras. Mm. But yeah. yeah, interesting stuff. So we yeah. covered it all. Yeah, yeah. I hope, hope everybody, like I said, hung in and enjoyed this one. I thought it was different. I always um, listen to it in two or three different shots. There you go, mm-hmm. exactly. So, uh, hey, uh, TJ, thanks for joining us again. Of course, we thank you for having it. me, guys. It's always fun Glad having to be you back. here. Pleasure, come yeah. back of very soon. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode and uh, we'll be back uh, with another one real soon. So, see you later.